0: Back to throw, in trouble, he's going to be sacked, no, gets away, he runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 15.
1: the 10, he dies, touchdown 49ers! What's up 49ers faithful, we are back with another episode of the 49ers WebZone Know How to Podcast. As always, I am Zane, Al can't be with me today, but man, have we got a lot to discuss with you. We got a brewing quarterback, I don't want to say controversy, but decision that Kyle Shanahan has to make. Is it going to be Jimmy? Is it going to be Trey? Who is it going to be? And a lot of people have a lot of speculation on this. And, you know, I, I decided to go straight to the source for some of this. And Larry Kruger from KMBR, and by the way, Larry is a fantastic follow. Definitely follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's got a show from every, every afternoon from 2 to 6 in the Bay Area. And he does the forty hours pre and post game show. Definitely give him a follow. Um, and, and just check out his stuff because he's one of my favorite people to talk to. Uh, he joined me to chat a little bit about the quarterback situation and some of the other stuff that's going on. Talk a little bit of Giants as well as the Bay Area is kind of buzzing right now between the, the Niners and Giants. Nice to see, uh, kind of sports taking the forefront at the time of the pandemic, but, uh, great conversation to have with Larry and check it out. Here it is. And joining me now is the great larry Kruger. you can catch him on knbr from 2 to 6 p.m on weekdays sundays on espn radio and once the Niners season starts you can catch him on the post pre and post game show for the 49ers and for those of you who are leaving levi stadium and stuck in traffic you know this friendly voice and uh again welcome larry Kruger. thanks for joining me man hey anytime thanks for having me on i really appreciate it and let's just let's just get right into it like we know we know what the the topic at hand is and and the hot topic and in Bay Area sports, besides the Giants, which we'll get into in a little bit. But we know what, what everybody's kind of thinking right now when, when it comes to the 49ers. And we got a choice here, right? You're either Team Jimmy or you're Team Trey, right? That's kind of seems, that's what it kind of seems like now. And, and it's a, been a hot button topic that everybody's been talking about. What are you thinking, man? Like, who's, who's starting week one?
0: I mean, it is such a tough call. It really, it, I don't think it's an easy call at all. I think it's a very difficult call because what you're talking about is. The future confidence of trey Lance, where is he in his development? how ready is he to play uh, versus you know what you know are you going to lose the locker room if you do the wrong thing or if you make the wrong move? Um, you know everything could potentially be hanging in the balance with how they handle the quarterback position, so it's not just you know another position on the team it's it's far, far more than that um I think initially. You know, I just thought that it it, it would probably be, you know, once they went with Lance, who had only played one game last year, um, that even though he's advanced in a lot of ways and a natural fit for this offense in a lot of ways, I still thought that there was going to be some ramp-up, period, despite mm-hmm. the fact he has a tremendous skill set of arm strength, foot speed, and not to mention, you know, his mental acuity. So I, I just think – um he's a really great prospect and it was always like well how are you going to handle this we've seen David Carr we've seen if you want to go further back Rick Meyer guys Mm -hmm. who may have started out okay but then they took more hits over time and they lost their confidence um you know an old football scout told me once something that I really believe strongly in which is for every quarterback that's drafted in the NFL there's an immediate race and the race is can you learn what to do and get up to speed and learn your protections and learn your playbook and know the nuances of the position to a level where you can operate and and move a team up down the field um, mm-hmm. before you get your butt kicked, before you get your body actually broken, like what we saw this year with with a guy like Burrow in Cincinnati.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: he had 32 starts or whatever. He's I mean, he hasn't had very many starts. I mean, he had 16 starts or whatever. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's broken with a major injury and you don't know what his future is going to hold. You know, now it's like they almost have to build back his confidence and he's like somewhat of a diminished player based on what he lost physically. So Mm -hmm. to me, I think you always got to remember that. And for that reason, I think I would play it a little bit more conservatively and go with Jimmy Garoppolo to start and bring Lance off the bench. But I do understand what Steve Young is saying. When he says, "Hey, look, you know, it's only going to be more difficult down the road if Jimmy has some success." You spent three number ones on Trey Lance. You obviously want to go in a different direction with Trey Lance. Um, So, you know, and everybody kind of knows that. So it's 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 a very he says, you know, that the big plays on the ground where you can get yards with your feet are you know it's that the NFL game has become like the college game. And they're giving you those yards with your feet if you can pick them up. And in Steve's mind, you have to be able to pick them up. And then if all things are relatively equal, he'd rather see Lance out there than Garoppolo. And I get that reasoning, but what about the locker room? As far as you know, there is a lot of guys on one-year deals. There's a lot of veterans on this team too. You know, do they want? We all know a rookie has never taken a team to the Super Bowl. Are okay. you gonna? Are you gonna? You know, you gonna buck the trend and and set a new new uh, historical path? I mean, is that or you know? I mean, so there's a
1: lot of different ways to look at this for sure. I would probably lean with Chip. And there's so much that you just said there that I really want to touch on. Right, like the locker room. I want to start right there. Do you feel like part of this locker room? Do you feel like it's the locker room because Jimmy is the guy that took them to the Super Bowl in 2019? He's kind of he's one of the team captains, and we could argue that. The turnaround, or I guess, uh, supposed kind of turnaround from like the Tom Sula and Chip Kelly days into like the Kyle Shanahan era that Jimmy threw some gasoline on that fire when he came in at the end of 2017 and won those five games. Right. So he's there's that attachment there for some of the guys that are in the locker room that have been there since that time. Do you feel like it's somewhat of a divided locker room because of that?
0: I don't think it's a divided locker room because of the attitude and approach that the team has taken and the two quarterbacks have taken. I mean, Trey Trey Lance knows he's the the heir apparent, but he's very humble. He's studious. He cares about the process of football. He's respectful. You know, he's a great kid from Marshall, Minnesota, who just wants to, you know, learn and get better. And Jimmy's been a total pro and treated the kid well. And, and I think, you know, I, I think the open communication that Kyle and the co- and the offensive coaching staff have had with the, the players, I think, has been refreshing. So I don't think there's a split of, you know, a locker room. But you do have Trent Williams saying on one side of the room, hey, this guy is a, you know, I forget what he, the word he used, but basically a futuristic talent or an all-world talent or a once-in-a-lifetime talent. And he's talked, and DJ Jones has said the same thing. And a couple of other players have kind of made comments along the lines that, they think you know, Lance is a transcendent you know, talent. So, and then there's guys who actually battled with him on Super Bowl Sunday, Jimmy Garoppolo, that is, who probably say believe in Jimmy to some degree. But even so, a divided locker room suggests that there's, the team's not together, that it's two camps. And I really don't get the sense that this team is divided in any
1: way. And I'm really glad that you brought up guys like Rick Meyer and, you know, even to a lesser extent, guys like Kyle Bowler, and even Alex Smith, who were drafted high, but they either weren't put in a good situation, or they immediately lost their confidence. And at that point, it was basically over because I think, you know, you've you've been around sports your entire life. And for those of us who play sports at a high level, like we know that for an athlete, confidence is everything, Like you could be a less talented player. But if you have the confidence to, to be able to be better than everybody else, like that takes you that extra distance. And, I think that, in my opinion, when it comes to Trey Lance, Kyle is really trying to build that confidence up, and if you were to throw him in there week one, you have a situation where if it doesn't go well, you're kind of taking, his confidence is taking a hit. And when you're young and impressionable, I mean, we're talking about a guy that just turned 21 years old just a few months ago. Like He's played one full competitive game of football in the last two years. So you're looking at a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience in football or in life. So do you feel like Kyle is slow playing this to be able to address building Trey's confidence slowly?
0: You know, I'm not really sure exactly what Kyle, how Kyle is playing this, or if he just is, you know, he told us the other day that, hey, the reason he's, you know, moved uh, Trey, you know, he wanted to see Trey with the ones and the twos, and he wants to see Garoppolo with the ones and the twos. And I think he's trying to make a, a solid evaluation. I'm sure in his head he probably has some game plan. But the question that we don't really know is, is the game plan, you know, what, what if let's just say, you know, do they have an organizational game plan? What if Trey Lance in his mind is is the better quarterback? Does he want a $26 million uh, backup quarterback on his books? Are they going to approach Jimmy with a, with a pay cut offer? Um, are they going to trade Jimmy to a team? Does he want to be here as the backup if indeed he was the backup? You know, I mean, we always talk about things, like, we've, we've talked about this endlessly, it seems like, this topic. But very little discussion has gone into, well, what if Trey wins this little battle in camp? What if, in the minds of offensive coaches and Kyle, that he is the quarterback that gives them the best chance to win? Because, and there's all kinds of reasons you could argue for it. I mean, the presence of Trey Lance is going to open up the run, the run lanes because you're going to have to count for him in the run game. So, you know, I mean, that's, a, that's real. You know that's a real advantage that he has over Jimmy. Jimmy's got an advantage of experience. Uh, Trey, I thought, looked really, really good though, operating out of the play action. You know, on the play action scheme with some of the fakes, some of the footwork, uh, movement. You know, in and around the pocket. I mean, he looked really crisp. I thought in that area. So, you know, this is a really tough thing. I don't know how Kyle's going to play it. I really don't. I I think if I were him, I would probably start with Jimmy and go to you know, initially only go to uh, Trey in a fourth quarter role, either in a loss in mop-up or in, you know, if I can get him in there in a game where I'm destroying the Lions by 17 points and now here comes Trey for a couple series in the fourth. And I and I think in, in the, be- the best thing I think he could do for his locker room is to slow play it a little bit and let it be decided on the field. Because if it's decided on the field, then there are no questions and there is no back. There is no, well, how did you play? It? I just, I just gave guys opportunities and they showed me who the best player was, you know what I mean? And in the right. preseason, it's too impossible to evaluate because it's an un, football without intensity is not really football. Mm. So none of the numbers really matter. None of what we're seeing really matters. It's just glimpses and glimpses and more glimpses. But if you put guys in the regular season, it's gonna be about points and first downs and yards, the things that define offensive football, good or bad. And then you don't have to deal with, I made this decision. It just this was it's kinda of like when Kaepernick came in for Alex Smith and mm-hmm. he showed so much more dimension and the offense had so much more dimension that it was like Harbaugh at the press conference was like, you know, you know, I have to go with Kaepernick, basically. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. he you know, the What we saw in the field dictated that decision. Now it might not have even been the right decision looking back, but it felt like the right decision at the time. And I think if if uh, Trey outplays Jimmy or Jimmy plays spectacularly, if one of them steps forward and really outplays the other, and then that person gets the job, I think Kyle Shanahan has far fewer locker room problems than if he just anoints uh, you know Trey the starter week one, you know, with the eye on the future or states that jimmy's the guy no matter what because he's the veteran you see what i'm saying Let 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 the play don't ever make this decision Mm -hmm. just give these guys both time and the decision will be
1: made without yeah like i've been kind of maintaining this thought that trey lance's uh, ascension into the starting lineup is going to be entirely dependent on his own development and not really on external factors like, oh, how good or bad Jimmy's playing or the record. Like when he's ready, he'll play. And I think the one that's going to determine that obviously is Kyle Shanahan. So if Kyle Dean's Trey ready. Um, I kind of think of it like this, Larry, like where, you know, when you're on, a, when you're on a, a plane, like a pilot has like a pre-flight checklist and like, they're like, all right, you know, we're checking all these things. and like, check, 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 like off of like a clipboard. Trey's essentially going through that sort of thing right now. It's like, all right he's passing all these checks and at some point he'll, he'll have passed enough of them where he'll be able to kind of assume that starting role. And I, th- I still think we're in that evaluation process. And, and from what Kyle said today, as of the recording of the show, like he said, he didn't lead on who was going to start, but with the way that Jimmy reacted, it makes me kind of lean that it's going to be, it's going to be Jim, right. With the way that he reacted. So I think that we'll see Trey soon. And I think that there'll be little snippets here and there, but I'm just kind of curious to, to, to kind of get your idea of like, what is Trey going to do? Like, I don't want to see him in, in a Taysom Hill sort of role where he's just running, like, you know, a bunch of op- read option plays and just carrying the ball. I want to see him throw. I want to see him run meaningful plays. Like, how is Kyle actually going to work Trey in to this, like, run meaningful plays?
0: Well, I mean, here's the other thing, too. It's like, I mean, it's really easy to see. I don't want to see Trey too much in the, the the you know the mop-up role, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just like, where, you know guy where the d lines pinning their ears back you know going hunting the quarterback and Kyle you know says well trey gives us the best chance to win because maybe he's got more of a downfield arm and more mobility in the pocket i don't want i don't think that's a smart play to just because when the game gets out of hand and it becomes you know everybody's she everybody every offensive coach if they're worth their weight so, worth their weight in anything understand the value of balance you have to have balance well, when the game gets to the fourth quarter in the NFL, if it's tight, you can maintain balance. If it's not tight, you no longer have that balance and it becomes jailbreak on the quarterback. And it becomes hugely challenging for the offensive line. And I hate I would hate to see Trey just thrown into that. Well, Jimmy didn't, you know, we're not going to win the game. We're frustrated. We're going to pull Jimmy and go to Trey. Now Trey's going to take a bunch of sacks and run for his life and maybe make a few plays um, you know, in this Mop-up role. I, I I would I would prefer if they used him earlier in the game. I guess uh, maybe you know in the first half, maybe second quarter, maybe third quarter. Use him for a series, and and you know and and I agree with you. I wouldn't just I wouldn't do just run. I wouldn't just run or capitalize on his running ability. I, I look at him. I mean, he's not Michael Vick. He's he's a he had an 1,100 yard season, and he could be a very valuable tool in short yardage and that kind of goal line uh, mm-hmm. from a running perspective, but he's not a true, he's a passer. This is a guy who's going to make his hay in the pocket. And it's not just, you know, I heard people say, well, why is he not running all the, he, he, did you watch North Dakota state? I mean, he, it wasn't like this guy just was running all the time. He's a passer. He's a, he, he's a, he's an athletic guy who can run. And when he busts runs, you know, good luck stopping him if he gets to that third level against DBs who are 180 pounds. I mean, he can drag those guys. But let's make no mistakes. I mean, this is, not, this is not a young Steve Young. This is not Michael Vick. This is not a running quarterback. This is a pocket-passing
1: quarterback. Yeah, and speaking of Steve Young, You mentioned earlier how Steve Young was kind of advocating for Trey to start. And I think it's really interesting to me. It's really fascinating to hear Steve talk about that. I have so much respect for him because obviously, you know, being who he is and what he's done for this team. But his perspective on this is really, really interesting because he was that guy, right? He was Trey Lance in that, you know, if you want to talk about the whole uh, Joe Montana, Steve Young quarterback controversy, not that it's a controversy now, but that whole situation, he was Trey Lance. He was the younger option that they brought in the more athletic, more, more talented, you could say option that brought in to compete with the, the veteran that they had, who was having injury issues at the time. As we know, Joe Montana was having some injury issues at the time when Steve was brought in. So it's really interesting to hear Steve take that perspective and take those thoughts and put that, put that out there. And I'm kind of curious, like, is this kind of the, the mentality that we're seeing with most people that, that you guys talk to, like where, all right, you've got this young rookie on the bench, like, let's play, 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 um, as opposed to sit?
0: Well, I mean, I think, you know, I, and I kind of know where Steve's coming from on this because we've talked, we've had him on the show the last couple of years, and he's kind of echoing some of the same thoughts that he's shared with us previously. And that, that is that the game of football the, uh, from the quarterback position is a much simpler game today than it was when he played. You know, when he played, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a timing rhythm offense Three step, five step, you know, all about the footwork and and you know you had there was a real reward for the veteran who had mastered the footwork and the now it's much more of an open field game, empty sets, your athleticism and your ability to create space offensively, whether in the run game or through your foot speed or arm strength of a quarterback, that the game's now a big play game and it's and he's he's basically saying hey look. This is a ready-made Super Bowl defense. You've got a playmaker out there in Trey Lance. You just spent three number ones, which has only been done like 5 times in 40 years or whatever, uh, you know, where anybody's traded three number ones for a single player. And you got this guy and you got this offense and you've got the weapons. Put him on the field and make it happen. And he's he's saying that across the board with Justin Fields with Chicago over Dalton and for Lance here. Um, you know, over Jimmy. So he's been consistent. He's basically saying it's a it's a playmaker's game now. And you know, Lance has an ability with his feet to create space, with his arm strength to create space. You have the weapons. You have the championship caliber defense. Let it all hang out and go win win a bunch of games and and coach the kid up and see if he can get you to the Super Bowl this year. I get that. He's basically said you turn the page. You've announced it to the world. Now turn the freaking page. You know as opposed right. to, um, you know, well, you know, we're going to go with this guy. But I'm not saying Steve's not aware of the locker room, because Steve is keenly aware of the locker room. But that's what he believes is, mm-hmm. is their best play. Is there, and, and he may be right. Personally, um, I, I think that when I, when I saw the close-ups of Lance and his face in the two-minute drill, there's a there's a little. I'm not saying. Sure, I think there's going to be a lot of wasted time there in that two minute drill. I just hmm. think that there that's a that's that's football 5.0. I mean, you know, being a college football player at at North Dakota State, that's like taking pre law, but right. the NFL is like you know that's that's second year of law school, and it's like you know what it's it's a step up, and it's a lot more involved, and you you know it's very the very very a uh, rare person that can actually step in and without missing a beat to sit there and play good, efficient offensive football, especially in a system as complicated as Shanahan's is believed to be. I mean, we saw Matt Ryan thrive in year two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear people talk about the system, but there are complexities to it. Even Trey has referenced how it's a complex system. So I don't think it hurts to let him, to let him sit. The one thing you do have to keep, you do have to keep in mind though, is that there's only one you know, the what the, the the buy is what you're really after if you're looking for the Super Bowl and there's only one buy per confidence. Like, so there ain't a lot of time to waste doing the wrong thing.
1: So they better decide what the right thing is
0: that's gonna win them football games and do
1: that. I know that you said that you were leaning Garoppolo in terms of like what you thought was going to happen, but like if if you were Kyle Shannon, if this was your decision, what would you do? I would, I would go with Lance because
0: I, I don't – one, I, I think that Jimmy has problems that, that the numbers reveal and the tape reveals. So, you know, when the tape and the numbers align, you know, you know that's the story. And what I saw last year and really for the last two years, going back to the Super Bowl year, is this is a guy who does not identify where the pressure is coming from. He doesn't identify if he's getting pressure or not. He's very inconsistent. Sometimes he'll act like he's getting pressure, he's not getting pressure. Other times he won't feel the pressure. He doesn't respond well to it. His feet either become totally locked or they become violently pitter-patter in the, in the pocket. He mm-hmm. throws, he's got decent arm strength and accuracy, but he tries to throw up his back foot um, too often. So the mechanics break down he floats the ball high. So he doesn't really have an opportunity to consistently step into his throws. I guess what I'm saying is that I, I see Jimmy as a guy who has kind of it, what his game is re- revealed as some consistent, consistent, in- consistent, failings in how he identifies and deals with pressure. He doesn't see it. He doesn't escape it. And then people talk about, well, he's injured all the time. No, no, the injuries are the are the impact of what I just discussed. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the injuries. It's that he doesn't identify where the pressure is coming from. And then he winds up getting, you know, taking hits because he, he, and not moving the team because his footwork breaks down. I see Lance as a guy who can take more hits if they, if they come in the pocket. Um, I, don't, I think he's mentally strong enough that he can withstand some struggles. I think there's enough of a surrounding cast here that if you really focus on running the ball 500 times this year and just playing good defense, he might be more, you know, plenty good enough to win a Super Bowl. You know I mean? If, if, I, I would have him on a pitch. I would go with Lance and I'd have him on a pitch count. I don't mm-hmm. want to see him p- throwing 35, 40 times a game. I, wanted, I want him to throw you know, under 20 times a game, and I want to run the ball, dominate the clock, keep my defense off the field. And then when my defense is on the field, I expect it to just totally dominate, and then that's how I'm going to win games.
1: I mean, basically, just that 2019 offense, right? Like that—that that Jimmy ran, just run that with Trey, right? Essentially, that's what—that's kind of what just, we were kind of getting at, right?
0: Run the ball, and and I, and not only that, I think this year, you know, Kittle's primed for his career year, but so's Debo, but so's is Ayuk. You know, they're all primed for their career year, so that's where it's set up. Um, I, I I just think that I'd I'd keep the ball out of the air, I, and they're the perfect team. With Debo and Ayuk, and you know the ability to do all these, these handoffs to the receivers and, and hitches to Jawan Jennings and things like that, they they're a team that can keep the ball out of the air and put up thirty points. So do it, you know, do that and play great defense and don't turn it over and put a real premium on not turning it over and win that way. And I, I would, but I also would then I don't want Jimmy going away but I don't want Jimmy at 25 or 26 million either. So what are we going to do, Jimmy? Do you want to be here for 15 or do you want to be, you know, you know, cut and cut your own deal. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be totally fearful of going that route if that's what he wants, because I think there are other quarterbacks that will shake free, you know, like, you know, several quarterbacks that will be of interest to me. But, um, you know, the guy that just played for the Chargers is probably not going to make that team. Uh, Anthony Gordon's out there. There are other young quarterbacks that they could get as backups to Trey if Jimmy doesn't
1: want to take the $15 Because
0: I don't, I don't think I want a $26 million backup. I just think that that's just, there's no reason for that.
1: Talking to Larry Kruger from CanBR, and this is so fascinating, Larry. I could literally talk to you like for hours about this quarterback situation. It's, it's so fascinating. There's so many angles, and the Niners have two – Two quarterbacks that they can win with, I feel like. And I feel like it's a, it's a blessing because you could be in a situation like, like Dallas, right? But Dak's not right, and they don't really have anything behind him. But before we move on the quarterback stuff, I do want to talk to you about what Kyle said and how he's kind of noncommittal about announcing where the starter is going to be. And every other team basically has drafted a quarterback in the first round. They've announced it. They know. And it seems like Kyle's just messing with uh, the media and kind of us fans. And he just, he, he's kind of getting it too, too much of a kick out of it, isn't he? You know,
0: you know. here's the thing. Um, there's no advantage. If, if, if you don't do everything to your advantage, you know, because there's, you're, you're one team battling to win the Super Bowl, and there's nobody – no other team is, is your team. The media is not your team. Your media are not your team. The other teams in the league are not your team. So I'm not doing anything ever to, you know, help anybody beat my team. And, you know, as somebody who's worked in pro football and have, has a little bit of a taste of it, if you have to prepare for just Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you can hone in and, and you know, develop a really good game plan. But if you have to prepare for Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, they're, tr- they're different players. There's more to cover. There's more coaching points. There's more discussion. You're making that staff work collectively, you know, tens of more hours as a staff so you know I, I if i were if i were kyle i wouldn't tell anybody i would just say we're playing sunday and when the anthem you know ends you'll see who's starting you know it's like i don't think he owes anybody anything one you get, everybody's going to parse whatever you say and how you say it the inflection in your voice and what you're you know you, he looked to his toes when he, he looked at lynch <laughs> you know, he didn't answer, he wouldn't answer the next question he answered right. the next question abruptly you know I mean, you, you know what I'm saying. You know what it is. I mean, it's like it, the circus, the NFL is the circus. And mm-hmm. the circus comes to town, and you have to be able to manage that circus. So I guess he could be a little bit more forthright with his intentions. But I don't see a competitive advantage to doing so. And I'm always seeking the competitive advantage if I'm playing the competitive. If I'm you know chasing a Lombardi trophy, that is an incredibly competitive endeavor. And you would have no idea the lengths that these teams will go to beat one another. So I get no problem if you want to keep it a secret until, uh,
1: until after the Anthem. I love it. I mean, he kept the Trey Lance pick a secret from everybody until draft time. And it just seems like nobody knows what he's going to do. And I think that's, that's one of the competitive advantages that they, that they do have now. Like you said, it's preparing for two quarterbacks and not one. And I, it's funny because every time he speaks, like you you're on Niner's Twitter, you know how it is, right? <laughs> every time he speaks, every time he says something, the voice inflections, everything like that, it's just dissected to, to death. The littlest things that he does and says, and it's just really funny to me. It's kinda like I can just see him saying, like, you know what, I'm gonna mess with people and just put this out there and just let them run with it. And that's exactly what happened at the draft. And I and to me, it's just he he plays chess and not checkers. And that's one of the things that I love about him, and that's why I think he's going to be really successful if he can get a team that's not so freaking injured all the time. So, but I, I yeah, I mean, that know. was
0: it. That was really it. I mean, last year they were undone by three things four quarterback play, turnovers, and injuries. Those three things and they still had a top five defense. I mean, think about that. They lost Bosa on week two, they lost a ton of players last year. They had a top five defense. And despite the fact the offense was horrible and gave up touchdowns and put them in horrendous position, field position wise, um, the defense was still a top 5D. Now you're getting all those guys back. You get a full draft class. A soft market enabled them to retain their own free agents. They were able to add free agents. I mean, you name a position on the field, and basically, outside of maybe two or three, the Niners are stacked. Mm. Absolutely stacked. And, you know, how they handle the, as long as they can not be, you know, historically injured again, um, you know, and I, you know, I think they're in, good, in a good spot. I really do. I think they're a prime Super Bowl contender. And I like the way they handled the injuries in the off season. They didn't go firing everybody again, dumping mm-hmm. the entire staff. They basically just went into the draft and they said, let's draft guys who played in college football, not played college football, played all of the games. And so Banks played all the games, and Jalen Moore played all the games, and Giamador Lenore played all the games. I mean, if not all, they played a huge percentage. Um, you know. And so I think that's a big key, too. I mean, they did take a chance on Hafanga, who had some big-time injuries, and it looks like it may pay, out, pay off. But across the board, they drafted guys who, who played in college football. And to me, that's a huge thing. I mean, Jalen Moore's had to be the starting left tackle basically from day one and he they haven't missed a beat and he hasn't, uh, you know, he's been very impressive when you really think about what they've asked of him and what
1: he's doing and, and where he is in his career. And you mentioned Hafanga and Diameter Lenore. I, I do want to ask you about those guys. Those guys really have throughout camp and the preseason, they've kind of really made a name for themselves. And Kyle mentioned that Hafanga may have a, a chance to start. As we know, Jaquaski Tart is off the pup list and he is which is a kind of a surprise to everybody, but he may be in line to play early in the season. But if he's not able to play, like you mentioned, it's it's a very uh talented roster when it comes to the starters. But one area that they're kind of thin is like the defensive backfield. So do you feel like Hafanga could step in there for Jaquaski Tart for a couple of games while he's while he's recovering? I
0: mean Hafanga ran four six one, which on paper says he's too slow to play in the secondary in the nfl right now right i mean you're talking about a league where linebackers are running in the four fives and you're now you're a safety and you're going to run in the four sixes you know that doesn't jive kind of with the trend in the league but that's the tape that's the 40 then you turn on the tape and you know you know there's an old saying too it's like if you don't if you take false steps your speed works against you you could have a you get a four three speed but if you take and and Tarvarius Moore, I think, it does right. He has, he has like four, three, two speed. But if you take three false, ste- three bad steps in the wrong direction, uh, because you read the wrong, you diagnosed the play wrong, then you still didn't make the tackle. I'll take the four six guy who's flowing to the ball because he's done film study and he's a he's a you know an absolute awesome football player, productive college football player. I'll take the four six guy. Um, and take a chance that they don't burn him down the field and get him isolated in, with an athlete in open spaces for a, touch, for a quick touchdown. You know, that's the risk. But if you can play him up the line of scrimmage and play him like a rover and he can read the, the mesh point and I mean, he's a brilliant football player. I mean, he really is a br- I mean, that run blitz against the Chargers was tremendous. I think that's something that he's going to be incredibly great at. So from that perspective, I mean, he's not Paul Amalu because Palomalu also had the incredible speed. But he is Palomalu and his ability to diagnose and be a smart football player at the line of scrimmage. So I I, I would like to see him initially. Um, and I think they really got something there. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that can. Because not only. He's a rookie who you could clearly understand, uh, clearly see from just a couple of games. He understands down and distance. So, like, there are plays where. He needs to be the coverage to be tight because it's third and two and it's a pass play and in that situation the coverage is tight and he's draped all over the guy. He may even get there a tad too soon, like he got called on the one for a PI call. But then on other plays where it's you know third and eight or third and twelve and he sees the completion made, he'll take the right angle, the conservative angle to to get the guy to the ground in the open field, like he did with McKinnon, where he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. But he also took a great angle, got him to the ground, solo tackle against the running back in open spaces, um, and they're trotting off the field. And it's time to punt, you know. And, and so, I mean, I just see him as a winning football player. I think he's going to make whatever defense he's on, and luckily it's this defense. He's going to make that defense a whole lot smarter and better.
1: And I think you're, I think Niner fans are going to be in love with them. Those fifth round picks, man, just just hitting on every single fifth round pick that they have, right. It's just, it's, it's that's, their, that's
0: their sweet spot. Maybe they should, should trade a trade their fourth for two fifths every year.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Just get, just get as many front picks as you can. But I mean, these guys are all going to be as good as their pass passwords. Right. And the D line, I mean, th- I feel like that's the strongest position group on this entire team. And you're going to have some guys that are probably cut from, from this group that will end up on other rosters, like the next day. Right. You've got guys in the bubble, like Maurice, uh, like, like Hurst and Arden key. and. You know, Zach Kerr, who was Carolina's, I think, second highest graded player last year on defense uh, for PFF. Like these guys are all basically kind of sitting behind DJ Jones and, and Javon Kinlaw. And one of these guys is going to end up on the street, uh, for another team to, to, to pick up. Uh, speaking of street, Kentucky street as well, right? So what do you, what do you kind of think about the defensive line battle and, and who are going to be the, the guys that end up being the odd men out?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, first of all, I think this is the deepest defensive line I've ever seen. Now Dennis, you know, mm-hmm. Dennis, was, Dennis wants to claim that the team that he was on that had, you know, Pierce Holt, Kevin Fagan, Michael Carter, and those guys, I mean, that was an incredibly deep line. I'll give those mm-hmm. line, those guys the line, uh, the advantage of having <laughs> maybe the better line because uh, Fagan was tough as nails. I mean, they just had a great, they had Ted Washington and Dennis and Fagan mm-hmm. and Michael Carter, who's probably the greatest nose guard ever,
1: uh, in my opinion and tim um, harris this, too right this, i believe what's that but tim harris as well i believe right or was he was he with dream oh, the well
0: they had all kinds of guys i'm, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying inside <laughs> yeah I mean, they had all they yeah had, and they had a whole nother they had all three or four
1: other big time guys
0: inside but hmm. this this defensive front is just totally and thoroughly dominant i mean think about it we haven't even the niners have played two games their d-line has found a way to kind of dominate both games i thought, oh. um, and. They sat twenty-two guys in one game and twenty in another. We haven't seen Bosa. We haven't seen Kinlaw. We haven't seen D Ford. We haven't seen any of these guys. So I mean, they're so stacked up front. I guess the ones would be Bosa and and what Bosa, uh, DJ and Kinlaw with Armstead in the base, and maybe mm-hmm. Armstead goes inside for DJ on third down. And here comes D Ford, and now you got D Ford. Uh, on the field but i mean only thing i saw that i didn't like was that mo hurst and givens were getting moved in the run game mm-hmm. um hurst is going to be out a month now with his injury what's his injury again i forget he just he just got hurt in this last game oh, he's going to be out a month it, Yeah, it was a so shoulder. so jordan shoulder? Willis has got the six is it a shoulder I don't forget no, i'm forgetting on the, the shoulder. on the shoulder yeah I forget what what Moore's injury was, but he you know he's got a motor, he's quick and rush the passer. But as far as against the run, anchoring against the run, I thought like him and Givens got moved, and Kerr really held the point. So mm-hmm. to me, Kerr Kerr's, Kerr for sure makes it. Kinlaw obviously, Armstead, Ford, DJ Street looks like Street says his knee feels fine, um, and that's that's the best I've seen Street. And then Givens is a really fast pass rusher. Willis will miss the first six games. Um, you know, then they, we even talked about guys like Alex Barrett, who's flashed, Darian Daniels, who's really good against the run. Uh, you mentioned Key. I mean, they, they just they, – Samson Ebukams, obviously, they list him at linebacker, but he's going to basically play defensive end. So, right. you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a stacked front. You know, they, they have – they have three complete lines and then a couple other guys after that. So, I you know, I think, how many maximum could you take? Twelve? I mean, right. I, 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 you know, I, I think, you know, just counting it out, let's say Ebucom, Armstead, Kerr, Kinlaw, Bosa, that's five. Ford, DJ, Street, Givens, that's nine. Um, and then you've got, then who do you want? who do you want? Do you want, do you want, you know, Hurst, it sounds like they could put on maybe IR for the beginning of the year. Yeah, Willis a, I think that's a suspension. So then mm-hmm. it's like, that's nine. Then key could be 10 Daniels, 11 Barrett, 12. I mean, it's a very, I, I w I wouldn't be shocked at all. I saw the jets, you know, are trying to get a pass rusher. I would not be shocked if the 49ers could get a fifth round pick or, or a six round pick at Alex Barrett from the jets. You know, he knows the defense Solomon knows him. He's clearly ready to rush the passer, but there's on this team, when is he ever seeing the field? I mean, it would have to be a couple injuries. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, you never can have enough, you know, baseball, you can never have enough starting pitching, and football, you can have, never have enough pass rush. But, you know, I said something last week to Dennis and John. I said that the guys who don't make this D line, forget cutting them. You, you could probably trade them. You know, right. that's how. And then Daniel Jeremiah, I saw, tweeted that same thing. Um, You know, on, you know, after the day after the game. So, you know, I, I think there's probably some trade that's going to come down the pike that will send some Niner D lineman somewhere else. That would be my guess. I would hate to see them move Kinlaw because I think Kinlaw is, I know um, he's had some injuries and he plays a little mm-hmm. upright, but the talent and the ability, you know, the potential is just so, to be so dominant, I would be afraid to
1: trade him right now. Yeah, injuries are just his issue, right? That kind of scares me with the arthritic knees and then now the shoulder. It's, I I just, I hope it's not a situation where he can't get on the field because of that, because when he's, when he played last year, he was dominant and he flashed last year. He had the pick six and he's just a mountain of a man. And on, and for, for those of us who have been like practice and seen these guys, like on a team full of big guys, he's like the biggest guy, right? so it's. It's like, you, you have to have that guy healthy, but uh, you know, flipping over to the offensive side, what's going on at right guard? Is it going to be, is it going to be Brunskill? Is it going to be Aaron Banks? Like Aaron Banks, you know, he's hurt now and and he had a not so stellar debut in the first preseason game. What's going on there at right guard?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, how many linemen do you think they'll take? Are they going to take eight? Are they going to take nine? I mean, if they take eight, I think we kind of know who they are. It's the starting five plus McKivitt, Banks, and more. Right. And then every – but if they take – but then so that means Sean Coleman and Compton and Brendel and, and anybody, you know, uh, Dakota Shepley and anybody else they have is competing for maybe one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got no problem with, with going with Brunskill, but, you know, the, we've seen Brunskill look good against Aaron Donald and mm-hmm. handle him, and, and you play a, play a game or two against Aaron Donald, and you're like, whoa, where was Aaron Donald?
1: You know? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so he's done a nice job at times. I mean, a really nice job. And I like the thing I like most about run skill is the versatility. So I would love to have seen Banks be a plug-and-play guy. You know, Shanahan, when he was asked about Banks, said that he was going to be playing this week and that they really like him, but that, that the, they need to see him play. And he created mm-hmm. some urgency to the whole thing. So, I mean, does that mean that Banks could be cut? And would they cut their second-round draft choice? I can't see that. So it, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, does that mean that he thinks that Banks still has a chance to start at right guard? I think they'll play it conservative and go with Brunskill. I I still think Banks or, you know, maybe once they get rolling, I could see them putting, you know, forgetting Brunskill and Banks and putting Jalen Moore there. Because I think Moore could really be a a guy who – who, you know, he's playing left tackle right now at a necessity, but he is a guy who absolutely can play
1: right guard. And Larry Kruger from CanBR, the sports leader, joining me. And Larry, did I say that right? The sports leader, like, like with that tone and that inflection, like, that's that's how they, that's how they have it, right? That's, that's the correct one? <laughs> you say it any way you want. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to correct you. But yeah, I've, I've, I've always wanted to say that. It's, a it's <laughs> not a not a v. Yeah, the eSports leader, the Ohio State University, right? The eSports leader. But um, really quickly, what the hell is going on with the wide receivers, man? Like, it, the amount of drops that we've seen in this preseason, Trey Lance has the most drop passes of any quarterback this entire preseason, and I get it. There's a little mustard on the ball, but these guys, like, they're dropping passes that you usually see them catch. And, is, I mean, is there anything to this?
0: Well, I mean, one um – I, it's kind of disturbing seeing it from Ayuk because I don't remember him dropping that many passes last year. But then, you know, you also have a guy with a really strong arm who right now doesn't have great mechanics, so he doesn't consistently throw a spiral. And almost any receiver will tell you if you, if you put enough heat on it and it's not a spiral, it, it, it does mess with your vision a little bit because the ball's moving around an awful lot. But those guys, I mean, as Kyle said, they just need to adjust. And they got they got to catch that ball. The standard in the NFL NFL is if it hits you in the hands, you're expected to catch it. I like how hater Chris Sims, by the way, is immediately like, you know, ripping. You know, Trey can't throw a spiral, and you know, <laughs> he just he just really doesn't like the. He's been against the Trey Lance option for seemingly the entire draft season. But right. I mean, what do they have? They've got Ayuk and Debo. They've got Sherfield who has come out of nowhere to show that he's probably the third third receiver um and then after that it's a little bit of pick your poison i mean do you believe in muhammad's the new i think he's got strong hands uh with a quarterback like this that might help uh juwan jennings i mean he's how do you cut a guy who is playing like with that much emotion and that size and that strength and the collegiate production so i think jennings has a role in this team um and then benjamin you know might be the most important guy of any of the receivers because you need a vertical threat. You have to be able to run off the coverage. You have to be able to put somebody on the field that they're afraid you're going to go up top to. And so Benjamin's got the best speed, right? So I guess it's down to Simba Webster and Benjamin and Richie James and Jalen Hurd for what, one spot maybe. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't. I'd be very nervous to cut Jalen Hurd, but what's the story there? I mean, I you know, can you? Are you going to be able to get on the field? Are you going to be able to play? Do you want to play? Um, I, there's got to be you know, we don't we don't get to see him in meetings. We don't get to see his level of engagement. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to really make an evaluation on Jalen. He could be totally disengaged and like, uh, you know, this guy's going to be cut or traded in the next ten days, or he could be super engaged. And just has been dinged and hasn't been able to get on the field and could be ultimately the third best receiver they have. So it's, you know, Hurd's the wild card for sure. He's got to not just play in this game, he's got to flash in this game. And he's got to maybe even take a hit or two and not, you know, and and show that he can play the second half. So I I think this is going to be a very important football game for Benjamin, for Webster, for, for. Uh, Hurd and for Richie James for sure
1: yeah and I think the frustrating thing with Jalen Hurd is that there's so much potential there and we see that kind of Swiss army knife that he can be and he's just never been able to stay healthy and this week it seems like he's getting the lion's share of reps with the ones because at this point like you know Debo and IU, they got to keep them healthy so we know what they can do and and Jalen Hurd stepped in pretty nicely at practice he's getting a lot of reps with the ones I assume that you know, he will he will either start the preseason game or he'll get a lot, a lot of reps in the game because they got to know what they have. They don't know what they have in him yet. They saw that one, we saw that one preseason game a couple of years ago against Dallas, we had the two touchdowns and we just never saw him again after that because he got hurt. And at this point, Kyle has to know like, all right, like what are you going to do? And again, that's, that's the sixth wide receiver spot that we're talking about. If we were talking about the top three, Iu Debo, Sanu, Sherfield number four, Jennings, number five. And, you know, number six is like, you know, in my opinion, it's got to go to Benjamin. You got to have a guy that can return punts. Uh, you can't return punts all season, right? He wants to do it now, but when you're getting down to that 17th game, like he's not, you can't put him back there and understand that he's going to have the same amount of injuries. So uh, it's going to be really interesting, but Larry has to
0: you know, There's also the factor of, you know, there's a number of receivers around the league that, that you know they may love. They may love a receiver that get that gets you know gets free. I mean, there's talk the Jets are going to cut Denzel Mims. There's talk mm-hmm. the Steelers might trade James Washington. Um, you know, there could be several receivers that are cut loose, and not just receivers, really any position. But I can think of a few receivers that potentially could be cut loose that you know could be of interest to them.
1: Yeah, and exactly, we don't know what's going to happen after the preseason games, so. Really, really interesting stuff. And, Larry, I, I do want to pivot uh, for, for just a couple of minutes and, and talk about the other hot story in the Bay Area right now, the the Giants, who are just on an unbelievable tear, beat the Mets tonight in a very dramatic fashion. Um, they took all three from the A's at the Coliseum in very dramatic fashion. And me, I mean, I, I'm basically a, a new Giants fan because I'm a – people won't like this, but I'm a, I'm a converted A's fan because I'm done with those guys because they turned their backs on us, so I'm turning my back on them. and. As a new Giants fan, what would you say to me about this team? Well, first of all, they they took they didn't take
0: all three; they took two out of three. That's right. That's right. The, the A's, A's yeah. the A's beat them Friday night. They did, um, they did. I mean, it's just it's an amazing story. I mean, it's an amazing story. It really is. It, it shows too. I I really believe that, like, you know, over time, what's going to show is that this period was a period where. Baseball teams started to fully and fully embrace in analytics. And that the teams that were on the cutting edge of that, as far as bringing the, you know, perfecting the analytics in the office and then bringing those numbers to the field nightly and playing the game, making decisions, consistently making decisions based on those analytics, are at the forefront. Tampa's there, Giants are there, Boston's there. Um, you know, it's just, it's just really, it's been incredible. I mean, they, they, you know, I think you'll see coaching staffs grow in future years because look how many coaches the Giants have and look how many, look how much manpower is going into their effort. Kind of reminds me of like a quality control staff in the NFL, you know, um, the way they have, they have the analytics team, they've got coaches, they've got people breaking down numbers. They're, they're very much wed to the numbers. They're like top five in everything, you name it. Starting pitching, top five. Bullpen, top five. Go into crazy analytics about different defensive things. Defensive runs save. They're, you know, they're right there. They're leading the, the majors in home runs. It hasn't happened since 1972. When Willie Mays was on the team the last time the Giants led the league in home runs. Um, wow. and here we are, they're leading the league in home runs. They don't have any home run hitters. It's right. just it's just they've got like every single guy on the team's hitting 15. Um, so it's really an amazing thing. Um, Kapler deserves a lot of credit. Arhan deserves a lot of credit. The players deserve a lot of credit because it would have been easy to just say, Hey, look, we've got rings and you don't. And who the hell are you? Right. But the Crawfords and the posies and the belts and these guys, they didn't do that. They said, you know what? Maybe it's time for a new voice. and Maybe we should just listen to these guys and girls, and maybe we should take some of this to heart. Now they've fully embraced it. Crawford's a m- noticeably better baseball player than he mm-hmm. was before Kaplar arrived. Um just, you know yeah, so it's, he, it's, he, they're just they're better. I mean, they're smarter, they work count, they, they they're home I mean, a couple key things, the game's a lot about home runs right now. Mm-hmm. And and th- so they they understand this. Their home run differential is decidedly in their favor. So they hit home runs and they keep your hitters in the park, so that's a that's a major component, I think, of what they do. Then defensively, their analytics—I can't—I mean, I watch this team. I watch every inning. They there have been so many right Adam rockets mm-hmm. this year. I can't even tell you the number of times that it's gone right to Wilmer Flores, right to Donnie Solano, right to Darren Ruff. I mean, they they're not. They're putting some subpar defenders out there, but they it's baseball used to be about well there's hitting and then there's pitching and defense now, because of the analytics, the information is so good it's there's hitting and then there's pitching defense slash positioning, and they are positioned better than any team in the game and Dave had a stat on it today or yesterday about Dave Fleming on the broadcast had a stat on how basically revealing that that is indeed the case, that they have saved more runs with their positioning and their shifting than any team in the game. So that's helped their pitching immensely. Um, and then they found, you know, they're almost all the relievers they have for the most part outside of their closer, uh, McGee and and Rogers were guys that weren't really on the roster or weren't really a big part of the plan, uh, necessarily coming out in April, but they (laughs) That they cobbled together an incredible pen, and it's you know I mean it, it, they, they they don't swing they they're very disciplined. Almost everybody knows the strike zone. They command the zone. They they hit with two strikes. They lead the league in home runs with two strikes. It's it's an absolute amazing story. Um, the Giants have won like hundred games like three times since they've been on the West Coast, and they're going to wind up winning hundred games this year. And they were picked to win seventy-five games. They're eighty. To that night was win number eighty-two. I, I was asking mm-hmm. the guys on wow. the show today. I said, if, they, if the Giants lost out and finished eighty-one and eighty-one, would you consider it a success? <laughs> because you know. And we were just right. joking, but it's like, you know, that success was going to be deemed as five hundred at the beginning of the year, and now, you know, that, you know, the, we've we've recalibrated our expectations.
1: Yeah, and uh, sorry, I almost cut you off there because analytics, it really excites me because for me, I feel like I i miss the analytics train. Analytics, but the heavy usage of analytics was before before my, it was after my time. So I w- in college, I was a switch hitting shortstop that could also pitch, but I was throwing like low eights. I was a soft tossing pitcher. And I was uh, kind of coming out of the same league that like guys like Adam Low and Jeff Francis, and those guys came out of up in Canada. And those guys got drafted because they could throw like mid nines from the left side. And guys like myself fell by the wayside because I'm 5'10", 165 pounds, and I don't hit the ball 400 feet and I don't throw 95 miles an hour from the left side. So I feel like now analytics is kind of, for me, I'm partial because of that, right? Because it, it would have given guys like me a chance. But now you're you're kind of playing this game on like, you know, like how in in Star Trek, they had that 4D chessboard, right? Where they're playing on all these different levels. It's kind of like right, right Right. And it, and it's, it's a totally different game. And the job that for done with the giants has been unbelievable, especially after Bruce Bochy departed and Madison Bumgarner departed. And we didn't really know what the giants would be after that. Cause they were supposed to be a team in transition and Gabe Kapler's first year was kind of like, eh, we didn't really know. But now you look at the resurgence of, of Buster Posey, right? Like Buster's having an amazing season. The guy's having a total rebirth and you know, like you, you talked about Crawford and, and, all these these people like Rodgers coming in and contributing. like It's unbelievable. And they're going to win over 100 games. They could, they're on pace to what? 106, I think, right? At this point. And the Dodgers are right behind them. The Dodgers are, and we got Dodgers fans listening to this podcast as well. Those guys are on pace to win about 103. And one of those teams is going to be in that one game playoff, which is an absolute travesty. And one of those teams may be knocked out at that one game playoff. And, and I think that that's one of the things that baseball hopefully will fix next year. But it's just, it's just such an exciting time, Larry, to be a Giants fan, and such an exciting time because we didn't expect this, and I think that's the best part.
0: Well, absolutely, it's it's found money. Uh, it's it's literally we're walking through the casino at three, three o'clock in the morning when we're up, you know, five grand. You know, I mean, we're, we're right now. That's what it feels like right now. But I but I will say this: the Bochy Giants of ten and twelve and fourteen, they they had great pitching. They were gamers, but they, un- they also understood how to, you know, get them on, get them over, get them in. They understood how to manufacture. The one concern I guess I do have with the Giants is that such a high percentage of their runs come via the home run. And, um, you know, if, if, if they get into October and, and they face some better pitching and some colder weather and the pitchers can, and, and that, and the pitchers can keep them in the yard, and they still manu- can they still play their five runs or six runs or whatever it's going to take? Can they be disciplined enough in the postseason to really grind out at bats? Um, and I think, they, I think the answer is going to be yes, but until you do it, you know, you've got to wait to see it first.
1: Man, Larry, thank you so much, uh, you know, for, for joining me and taking the time out. I know it's, I know it's a busy schedule for you, especially at this time of the year. We've got Giants and Niners all going and, and eventually the Warriors as well. But before we go, are, are you going to be at uh, letters, letters to 87 this year, the, the function?
0: Oh, you mean at the, at the, uh, Concord Pavilion? Correct. Yeah. You know what? I don't know if I'm going to be there yet. I have nobody's, nobody is, uh, you know, I, I, haven't ch- I haven't checked with my wife as far as the It's Tuesday night, right? Coming up yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a possibility I'll be there. I would like to go to that. It's, you know, it's, I'll, I'll say this. I believe passionately that, Um, you know, the golden heart fund is a great thing because there's so many, you know, athletes are not athletes. People think of athletes and they group them all together and they think, oh, well, they're all just, you know, they're all just rich and, you know, they've got money beyond anybody's wildest expectations. Well, that's true. If you play, played in the NBA or if you played in MLB or even in the NHL and you were a significant player, but in football, a lot of times these guys are left with bodies that are broken sometimes minds that are broken and a lot of times they have to get a second job. And I I just think that golden heart fund is just so awesome. And I'm just so glad that the Niners started that and all the proceeds from this event go to that. Um, So I'm a huge proponent of of that fund and I just think it's so incredible. I think I believe strongly in taking care of the Niners should take care of their own. Um, And I'd love to see Roger Craig in the hall of fame. And I would love to see them, you know throw their might and their weight behind getting roger in the hall of fame because i think it is kind of an injustice that he's not in right now um when you really factor in what he accomplished in his career um so i don't know if i'll be there tuesday night but man i i know it's gonna be a great event i mean you're gonna have brent jones is gonna be there and charles haley's gonna be there and dwight hicks and the hot Licks, and that means ronnie's gonna be there and um, you know, it's it's gonna be I think Carmen Policy is gonna be there. George Seaford's gonna be in the house and tickets are only eighty seven dollars, and as I said, it benefits the Golden Heart Fund. So I don't know if I'll be there, but I, I if I'm not there, I hope it's a I still
1: hope people go and have a great fun night. Yeah, it, it's it sounds like it's gonna be awesome. And, and my hometown of Concord, man, growing up in the East Bay. I know I know you're an East Bay guy too, so I know that uh, you you appreciate that for sure. But uh really quickly, um, Roger Craig needs to be in the Hall of Fame. George Seifert needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Those two guys, and obviously Patrick Willis as well. Those are my three Niners that need to get in, for sure. But Larry, thank you so yes, much. Absolutely,
0: I'm, I'm for all of those guys. Yeah, I'll, let me add one more to that one. How, you know, is Bryant Young not a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean, why? Why? I've heard people su- I've heard people suggest that Richard Seymour is gonna be a Hall of Famer. If Richard Seymour's a
1: Hall of Famer, I'm pretty damn sure that Bryant Young's a Hall of Famer, right? I mean, he's stuck on 99 sacks. Right? I feel I feel like the perception would have changed if he actually got to 100. He's stuck. He's stuck on 99. And if he got that one extra sack, you could say you know one of the only defensive tackles in NFL history to get 100 sacks. But yeah, I'm, I'm the all guy. That.
0: The guy played. The guy played defensive tackle. He played with a metal rod inserted in his leg for nine years. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> that's pretty spectacular, man. Bryant Young was an incredible football player as a technician. I mean, think about it. He had the strength, the quickness. He was a technician. He had unbelievable power. And that's mm. kind of basically the entire job description. You know, I mean, it's like it's hard to it's hard to think of guys
1: too many guys that were that much better than than By. One of my favorite Niners of all time. And uh, man, the next time we get you on, I gotta hear like your list of like your favorite Niners of all time uh, from from all eras. It'd be super interesting to talk about that with you. But but uh until then, man, thank you thank you so much for, for joining the show and, and coming on and you've been on the show a couple of times and I know it's been a while. I messaged you a while back saying, uh, you know, if you can come on the show and I know I apologize that it's taking this long to have you on, but I'm a huge fan. I love listening to your your show. I love listening to you when you had Gary Radnich and how's Gary doing, by the way? How's he doing these days? You know, I think he's doing good.
0: He's taking care of his family. I mean, I haven't talked to him, but I'm sure he's he's doing good. I'm sure he's doing good. He's He's got a young family and a lot to, uh, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, busyness in his house because you, you know, you're raising three kids and getting them through high school and then college. It's, believe me, it's, it's, uh, it's the, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a you know, it's fun, but it's also, uh, you know, action packed as far as your days. I'm sure he's doing busy with those
1: kids. Yeah. I've, I've got a two year old, so I've got all that stuff. <laughs> exactly. It's all coming. Trust us. And as always, thanks again to Larry for joining us. And a lot of what he said was, was so interesting to me specifically about Trey Lance's confidence and looking at some of the other quarterbacks in NFL history who have failed because they just haven't been put into good position or have not had the confidence to kind of carry forward. Like, you know, we mentioned Rick Meyer and you can talk about even Trent Dilfer who was drafted high. You can talk about guys like Keith Schuller and Gus Ferrat and, yeah, all these quarterbacks of the '90s, and more recently, like Alex Smith of the Niners, right? We saw this happen in our own backyard. Like he was basically ruined, became a reclamation project that Jim Harbaugh got something out of, and obviously, we know the rest of his history he went on to have a fantastic career and is now ad- adored by the same fans that used to boo him here in San Francisco. But to me, like confidence is everything when you're an athlete. To me, if you don't have the confidence to perform, you're basically done. Like you. Confidence is kind of that extra special sauce that gets you over the top. That It's at that extra little bit where if a guy is less physically talented, if he has confidence, he can beat guys that are more physically talented in any sport, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all about confidence. And when your confidence is shot as an athlete, you can't perform the way that you that you know that you can. And when you're looking at Trey Lance, a guy who just barely is 21 years old, he's played one competitive football game, one full competitive football game in two years. You really need to understand that this guy really needs to build his confidence at at the next level in the NFL. I'm not saying that he's not talented. His talent is off the charts. Like it's not even close. Like we're not comparing Jimmy and Trey. Like I want to make that clear. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not the bar, right? Jimmy is just a placeholder. Trey Lance's job. Trey Lance is eventually going to take this job at some point, most likely this season and for the full time next season, start of next season. So I think that when you look at physically, like there's no comparison. There's Trey Lance is superior in every every single way, but it's just the experience factor that we kind of we're kind of looking for here. And Larry mentioned that you've got a, a roster full of guys that's basically on one and two year deals, and a team that's essentially ready to compete for the Super Bowl. And you don't necessarily have, in my opinion, have the time to go through growing pains right now because you're competing for a championship and you're really competing to knock off Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So am I comfortable with Trey Lance, the thought of Trey Lance going into Tampa Bay to face Tom Brady and try to knock him off? I mean, not necessarily. If, they, if, they, if it happens, it happens. I mean, I'm not necessarily any more comfortable than I am if we're Jimmy. But that's kind of the reality of what we're looking at, right? Because that's, that's the bar we're, we're looking at. It's not, oh, Trey's better than Jimmy. It's, can Trey be better than the rest of the quarterbacks in this division, in this conference, in this league? right now i think that he's he's just not there yet he's not ready and we saw him perform in the preseason we saw him perform pretty well in in small spurts obviously his first completion went for the long touchdown to, to Trent Sherfield and he had two touchdowns against the chargers but there were times where he was looking a little bit shaky he his footwork was a little sloppy and and his throwing motion was a little bit elongated like that's something that they're trying to work on work with him on and and Really, like he got into some old habits, uh, especially in that first game. And John Lynch mentioned it, and Kyle mentioned it too. And for those reasons, I think that, in my mind, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo will probably end up starting the season. And all indications from the press conferences that we heard this week is is probably going to be Jimmy. And I think, in my opinion, that's the right thing to do. Uh, When you have a guy that you traded three first-round picks for in Trey Lance, it's not about putting him in there because of what you gave up for him. It's a matter of putting him in, him in there if he's ready. And if he's not ready, and if he can't protect himself from getting hit and taking sacks, you can't put him in there. Because the, we're, we're not thinking about this year, right? We're thinking about long-term. We're thinking about the next five to 10 years, right? Because Trey is going to be here for, the, for the, the next 10 years. He will be the quarterback of Durst-San Francisco 49ers, hopefully with a couple of Super Bowl rings over this next 10-year period. So when you think in that long view, you have to understand that this year doesn't necessarily matter in his development. I mean, it does. It's not a throwaway year, but it doesn't matter if he doesn't start like minute one to week one. It doesn't matter if he, if he doesn't put up crazy numbers, if he's not a pro bowler, none of that matters this season because we're not playing for this season. We're playing for to be able to have Trey Lance become the next franchise quarterback for the 49ers. And it's not about getting him in there fast. It's about getting him in there right. And I think a lot of people, uh, especially on Twitter, are are frustrated about this because number one, they can't stand Jimmy Garoppolo and they want to get rid of him. And number two, like when you have the, more importantly, when you have a talent like this, it's hard to hit, see him sit on the bench. Like he does things that a lot of other quarterbacks in this league can't do. And it's, and it's frustrating because you want to see him do that on a regular basis and you want to see him play. But unfortunately, because he's so young and, and raw at this point, I don't think that Kyle's ready to put him in there yet. And the reality situation is, is that. Kyle Shanahan's tenure here in San Francisco is tied to Trey Lance. And if Trey Lance doesn't work out, I mean, Kyle's gone at that point, because you're assuming that the team is now rebuilding again with another quarterback and they have to do that whole search again. And after giving up three firsts for a guy and he doesn't work out like that, to me, is like, that's like your death warrant. Like as a coach here, that's that, you know, that's curtains for Kyle here. He's not anywhere close to there. Like I agree with the way he's he's bringing him along now. But, I mean, that's the reality of it. I think Kyle knows. It. He's a smart guy. Kyle is – I tweeted that earlier today, that Kyle is, is one of the smartest coaches in the history of this team. He's not just going to trot out a guy who doesn't have that much experience, period, in college, let alone at the, at the NFL level. So he knows. He knows the situation. And I've heard comparisons to, to the situation with the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert started over 40 college games. Trey Lance has 70, seven, sorry, 17 college starts under his belt. There is no comparison here. Justin Herbert was a much more seasoned player coming out of college. He was more experienced, played for a bigger school, against big, bigger and better competition. Like, There's no comparison besides the fact that they were one year apart in age. So I think that there's no broad brush that we can paint with here. Like, You can't say that, oh, he's going to be a bust because the guys that I mentioned in the 90s and all these guys and Alex Smith, like they struggle out of the gate. You can't say that. But on the flip side, you also can't say, oh, because Justin Herbert was really doing really well and Joe Burrow before the injury did really well and all these guys are you know all doing really well. That's kind of the, the rule of thumb. Like you can't, it's not one or the other, right? It's it's a case by case basis. And what we do know is that Kyle Shanahan is going to be smart. He's going to be deliberate. He's, he understands the situation. And it's like I've been saying this entire time, Like for all of you who believe that Kyle Shanahan is a really intelligent dude. For all of you, like myself, who believe that Kyle Shanahan is, frankly, the smartest guy in the room, you have to trust the smartest guy in the room to do what's best for the team. And right now, I feel like he's doing what's best for the team and he's comfortable with starting Jimmy. And a lot of people don't want to hear that because of the personal feelings towards Jimmy, but that's the reality of it, right? Uh, And I do think that Jimmy's going to have a short leash. I do think that Jimmy's going to... He's really not his job at this point, he's just kind of keeping it warm for Trey Lance. It's Trey's job. Jimmy's just keeping it warm. So I, it's, it's something that we could literally spend the entire show. I mean, we spent most of the time with Larry talking about it. And really, it's something that we could talk about for you know the, the duration of the rest of the show. But really, this is something that the, the entire NFL media has talked about. The local media has talked about. It's all over Twitter. So I, there's nothing that at this point that hasn't already been said. I will say this, however, about how Kyle's handling this. I I really find it really amusing that he's not really letting on how he's going to approach this and who's going to start and all those things. Even all the other coaches, most of the other coaches in the NFL in the same situation have kind of tipped their hand already. And I think it's kind of funny because that just goes to show you how smart he is. He's making Detroit prepare for two quarterbacks. And he's waiting as long as possible to make this public. And he doesn't owe anybody anything, right? Like all he has to do is send a guy out, Like Larry said, after the anthem, when the Niners get the ball in week one, and that's who's going to be starting, right? And at that point, they'll find out. But internally, they know. And internally, I feel like people know that it's Jimmy, and they're comfortable with that. And and frankly, I'm comfortable with that, too. Like, look, I'll support both guys. I'll support who's who's ever under center. I own both jerseys, right? So it doesn't matter to me. I I don't have a particular horse that I'm favoring over the other in this race. It doesn't matter to me. I care about wins, right? And I care about them making and winning another Super Bowl. So... A lot of fascinating stuff uh, to, to kind of talk about unpack here. Uh, one of the other things that I kind of wanted to talk about was what's going on in, in the backfield. Didn't get a chance to talk about that with Larry, but Trey Sermon really has gotten to, off to a slow start. Uh, Jamichael Hasty had a good game against the Chargers, but really like it's, it's most the number one, we know this, but behind him, you should have what hopes to be a pretty deep uh, running back group and, and Jeff Wilson Jr. is on IR. He's going to be coming off. And to me, like he's, he's kind of weapon X in all of this, right? Like he's the Swiss army knife that they can do everything. And, and he's the, the scoring machine that you can put in and whenever he touches the ball, good things happen. So you've got a really deep group. Um, I'm hoping to see more on Trey Sermon and I'm hoping to see him kind of like claim that second running back spot for the time being while Jeff Wilson's hurt behind Raheem Mostert because that's really a spot that's up for grabs. Like nobody really knows what's going to happen there. And it's a prime opportunity for him to do that. He just looks kind of tentative to me tentative hitting the holes a little bit, you know, not really kind of stretching plays out when he doesn't have to put the ball on the ground the first game. So I'm not, uh, I'm not at all like disappointed because it's too early. I just want to be able to see more out of him. And I hope to see that. So Uh, wide receiver group, as we talked about Larry, like this one is another deep one. I've been really impressed with Juwan Jennings. He was one of my favorites coming out of the draft when they drafted him. I really like that pick, the size and athleticism. And just, he just seems like a bully and a guy that, that doesn't shy away from contact. And, and the more of those guys you have on this offense, the, the easier it's going to be for Jimmy or Trey, whichever one is playing quarterback, be able to get the ball to. So a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, the defensive line, we, we kind of touched on as well. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to repeat what we talked about because, uh, you know, it's one of those situations where like the rich get richer, right? 49ers, that's the deepest position, on, position group on the team. So a lot of good stuff, 49ers fans, a lot of stuff to look forward to. We'll see what happens in week one, but we've got a game against the Raiders first to talk about. And I think that you know I, I briefly kind of brought this up, uh, and I am kind of of the, the thought process that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they started Trey Lance in this game against the Raiders just to give him that extra work because at some point you're going to play him, right? And I think that you have to get him meaningful snaps. Like I really hope it's not going to be a, a Taysom Hill situation where you're just coming in and running read options and. And quarterback sweeps and things like that. And, and you're just running the ball, taking hits. I really hope it's not one of those situations where he's just like a gadget player. I hope that he can actually run plays from the playbook and throw the ball and be able to kind of learn that way. Because the last thing I want for him is to him to be taking a pounding and possibly get injured on, you know, a running play that was designed as like a little gadget play. Um, I want him to get meaningful reps. I want him to be able to come in and, and get reps with the ones and get used to the NFL speed, get used to throwing to NFL receivers and really, I guess, understand the little nuances of playing the quarterback position. And that's not going to happen if he's just playing spot duty here or there. So I think that this, this last preseason game is super important. I really wish, ironically, I wish you had a fourth preseason game this year. People hate preseason, but I wish he had a fourth one this year uh, because then you'd see a lot of Trey Lance and be able to see more of him uh, uh, getting snaps with uh, some of these guys and, and playing a little bit uh, more within the scheme. But as far as what's going to happen this season, uh, nobody really knows. Um, nobody can predict with injuries and things like that. We saw what happened last year. I think that this is a really deep team. I'm hoping that they can all stay healthy. And if they stay stay healthy, this is this team is going to be a menace. And I'm calling that now. Like Al and I haven't given our record, record predictions, probably do that next show. But I really think this is going to be one of the better 49ers teams you've seen in a while. So, uh, if you want to say that's, that's a bold prediction, go ahead. You, you heard it here on the 49ers website. on will have a podcast. So, uh, put that out there. Tell them Zane told you this team is going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. And they're going to surprise a lot of people in, in, in a good way, uh, much like 2019. So, anyways, um, you know, again, Al will be back with me next, next time. And, and uh, I'm really looking forward to chopping it up with him sorry that he missed today but al if you're listening we'll see you next time